Welcome to the latest podcast from the Right Hassle immigration team. So the media frenzy and Rishi Sunak's tricky week might be hung up on the Rwanda bill right now, uh, but stopping the boats is not going to deal with net migration being far too high, as the government claims it is, on its own. I'm Matthew Davis, Head of Practice for Right Hassle's business immigration team, and I'm joined by two of my colleagues, Stacey and Anna, and we're going to talk about the five-point plan for legal migration set out in the Commons by the Home Secretary a week ago. Just before the immigration minister who helped put it together resigned, I might add, not because he changed his mind about the five-point plan, but over the boats. And this five-point plan is supposed to have a real impact, bringing down net migration by 300,000, according to the government. And an impact on those figures is going to mean an impact on business way beyond asylum claims. So, Stacey, what is the five-point plan? Okay, so I'll go through them point by point. Um, in kind of short summary form for you. So the first one is from January next year. Most individuals who are applying or hold student visas will not be able to bring dependents with them to the UK. Um, there's also going to be a review of the UK graduate visa route, which a lot of the students do at the moment uh, go on to hold. The second um, of this second point of this plan also concerns dependents. And this is that the current entitlement by um, those on the health and care worker visa, and um, they won't be able to bring PBS dependents um, to the UK in the future. The third point of the plan is the minimum salary threshold for skilled workers will be rising to 38,700. Of course, it, the salary rates will either be that or whatever the going rate, going rate is for the occupation code, and um, that, that premise will still apply. It could indeed be higher. So the next point, um, so we're on point four, um, is the changes to the shortage occupation list. Um, this was put forward by the Migration Advisory Committee to the government. And in particular, um, it appears that the 20% salary reduction um, is going to be scrapped for those, those codes that are on the list. The final point um, concerns those who are either British citizens or have settled status. And if they are supporting dependents, um, the family income uh, will need to rise from 18,600 up to 38,700. 38, so as you can see, a lot of the changes here are linked to um, the finance levels and these are greatly rising. And that, of course, is uh, based on the government's argument that we need to be attracting only the most skilled. It's not hard to see, though, how that's going to impact some sectors in particular. And Dana, you've had a background in healthcare as former NHS manager before you came back to the legal sector. What do you see as the challenges for the health and social care sector particularly? Um, I believe the providers will be asking, how will I be able to recruit health and care workers when they're not able to bring other halves or children? This will be hugely off-putting to would-be migrants. What if we can't get enough people hired? And it's interesting that the government points to more than 20% of the working age population being economically inactive. Um, it announced a package in the Chancellor's Autumn Statement to get UK workers back to work. Um, is that actually the answer to plug some of those gaps? I doubt it, based on what I've seen over the years. Translating vacancies to local applications is very hard to achieve. I suggest the government needs to get back to its promises to reform and refund the sector that have got nowhere much since the last election. Thanks, Dana. And amidst all that, is there any particular reassurance for the healthcare sector? 
Yes, it is worth remembering that migrant doctors and nurses will not be affected and the government has promised to fund training in the sector, including allied professionals and nursing associates in health and social care work. So some level of reassurance. Yes. Thank you. So on the face of it, the package looks pretty stark. We know from our clients' reactions, though, across sectors that there's concern and annoyance at the potential disruption to business planning, and the government isn't unaware or wasn't not expecting that pushback. As we've predicted, they're already the beginnings of some mitigations on the effects emerging from government. And um, whilst holding the line, it's put out a migration fact sheet, which starts to set some of these out. And I'm joined now by Maha from the team, who's been looking at some of this uh, over the last few days. Let's start with student dependence. What's the government said there? Uh, under the current statement of changes uh, to the immigration rules, a student won't be allowed to bring their dependent family to the UK unless they have a PhD or they're doing a research uh, in the UK. And further details would be available uh, in March 2024. So the next thing is to consider transitional provisions. The government's said quite clearly that the new salary thresholds won't apply retrospectively. That's no big concession, really, is it? Because the principle's well-established in UK law that uh, any legitimate expectation along those lines can be relied on, and the courts have taken a dim view uh, of previous government attempts to resist that uh, in the immigration arena. But what about those on skilled worker visas, for example, who are due for extensions? Uh, the current indication is that the government might allow current skilled workers who is applying to extend to use their current threshold. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's going to come out of that is that employers who are nervous about that maybe being carried through once or not at all um, might go immediately for the maximum five-year visa, whereas previously they, they might have thought of three years or less. Employers, of course, are supposed to uh, apply for the period that they believe the person will be required for in sponsorship. But in practice, that can be quite hard to define. So coming back to the shortage occupation list, the Migration Advisory Committee advised the government to do away with it. The government is following that advice to a point in that it's saying it will no longer apply the 20% going rate salary discount. But what it is planning to bring in is a salary list. Stacey, what is the difference between those two things and what do you think this really means in practice? So the shortage occupation list is supposed to have been a reflection of those practice areas or sector areas uh, where there was a particular shortage of local talent in the UK. So, for example, some of the codes on the shortage occupation list at the moment are based on um, information technology and IT technical roles. And although these are still perceived as shortages, what the government has a concern over is that employers are benefiting also from the 20% reduction in the going rate. And the imp potential impact of this is that employers may actually be undercutting salaries that could be paid to local, um, local talent rather than international talent. And because of the cut to the salary, that is, would be, if happening, um, an abuse of the immigration system and not in the spirit of the rules. So by changing the shortage occupation list to a salary discount list, it's trying to define, um, redefine really, how that list is viewed in, in the first place. 
And then also the government's asking the Migration Advisory Committee to review the graduate route, uh, as they put it, to ensure that it works in the best interests of the UK and to ensure steps are being taken to prevent abuse. Now, that's a bit surprising in the sense that um, all the talk has been about retaining only the most skilled and the whole point of the graduate route is actually to keep those people and to enable them to stay and get established in the UK labour market because of the skills um, that they'll be able to deploy in it. So with that in mind, what is the government really looking to do with this review? I think this really hinges on whether this route is actually in practice retaining the brightest and best or whether it's recruiting in the eyes of the government and perhaps the public, um, graduates in general. And if the route is tightened rather than scrapped, this could be one of the ways that the um, potential abuses of the immigration system is reduced. So perhaps the government might look at um, reducing the number of dependents on this route too. Perhaps they could have a look at the length of the graduate visa, perhaps reducing it for a shorter period, maybe to one year rather than the current two. Or perhaps the graduate visa could be restricted linked to what subject has actually been studied in the first place. Um, what we have already seen, uh, which is closely related to the graduate route, is the student route, where you now must have com successfully completed your studies before going to um, apply for another visa in the UK. So I think this is in the general um, idea of the government is to tighten and refine what we've already got in place. So it's very much a tightening up and a review, um, if you like, to reassure uh, the voting public that um, there aren't loopholes and that there's nothing slack in the system rather than really cutting off um, a supply of talent to employers, which uh, would go against the grain of what the government is claiming to be achieving. So those probably summarise the main points that we've got at the moment. There's still a lot of meat to go on the bones. There's still a lot that we don't know. And of course, the fundamental question that everybody's asking is, well, when are all of these changes coming in? Because we've got the vague and, uh, you know, rather movable feast of the spring that's been announced. That could be any time between the 1st of March and the middle of June. What do we think is the likely implementation date based on what we've seen before and what should businesses be doing in order to get prepared? So in the past, we've seen um, changes to the immigration rules implemented in early February time. Sometimes it's in April, um, aligning with the financial year, um, but it could also be later. At the moment, we need to wait and see. Um, so what do you need to do um, as a business or an employer right now, um, if you've got a sponsor license? Well, the first thing is to start thinking about salaries, um, particularly for those roles that you are sponsoring or might be sponsoring. Also have a, have a think about the length of sponsorship for any applications that um, you're about to get started or you're looking to sponsor shortly. And as I said, keep listening for updates. That's, that's really the best advice here. Thank you, Stacey. And I think the overall message then is keep watching this space, see what happens. So if you do have any questions, please email us inquiries.mailbox at righthustle.co.uk. And thank you for listening to our podcast.